0: Welcome to Garden with Harmony. I'm your host, Harmony. For today's lesson from the garden, we talk about gardening in the winter. Now, often when we think about gardening, we imagine it as this spring or summer activity only. But with the right conditions, you can actually garden all year round. And if you live in an area of the world that experiences winter like I do up here in Michigan, and you've been wondering if you can garden in the winter, then by the end of this lesson, I think you'll have your answer. So first, let's identify what you can grow in the winter in the winter you want to focus on cold weather crops and these are plants that have adapted to those cooler climates so it's pretty straightforward they prefer temperatures under 70 degrees and they actually don't perform as well in that warmer weather so most cold weather crops they're going to germinate in soil about 40 to 45 degrees and they can tolerate a freezing temperature a few cold weather crops to know are broccoli cabbage kale beets, and spinach, and you can plant these and expect to harvest them throughout the fall and into the winter if you have some added protection. Now, if you're new to winter gardening, then I highly recommend a cut and come again crop like spinach or kale. These can be grown into the winter as long as it reaches maturity before that first frost. Growth is always going to be slower in the winter just because that's the nature of it, right? So if your plants are not mature before that frost hits, then you may have some limited harvests. In addition to planting crops to harvest throughout the winter season, there are also some that you can overwinter. So onions and garlic are a really good example of this. And these are best planted in the fall to be harvested the following summer. And then we've got peas and broad beans, and these can be planted in the fall for an early spring harvest. So with these, you can actually harvest them about three to four weeks earlier than their spring sown counterparts. So what are some important things to know when you're planting these cold weather crops? Well, first you should always know your frost dates and a frost date is the average predicted date of your frost so we've got first frost in the fall and last frost in the spring and these dates are calculated by noaa so there's some pretty good science behind it but you do want to remember that really at the end of the day this is just a guesstimate and it's only got about a 30 percent chance of actually being correct according to the farmer's almanac in addition to frost dates there are freeze dates as well so to make matters worse Freeze and frost are often used interchangeably as well. There are three classifications of freezing based on their impact to the plants. And this explains how sometimes you'll see one plant be completely destroyed during a frost and another bouncing right back. So a light freeze is 29 degrees to 32 degrees and this is where tender plants are killed. We've got a moderate freeze, which is 25 to 28 degrees, where you see wide destruction in most plants. And then we've got a severe freeze, which is 24 degrees and below. And this is going to be heavy damage to most plants. To find your first and last frost date, it's pretty simple. Frost dates are listed for each USDA zone. But I recommend checking your frost dates by your zip code for a more accurate answer. And you can go to www.almanac.com, type in your zip code and get your predicted dates now you can also go to the national weather service website and that's www.weather.gov there is a lot of great information about the predicted weather the past norms and this is the website where every other website pulls their frost dates from so something to keep in mind is that your frost date may move forward or back depending on a couple different factors the biggest one there is going to be your microclimate so even armed with the knowledge of the frost dates you still want to remember that really anything can happen at the end of the day And it does us no good to get mad at the weatherman because he can't take it back, right? So why do you need to know your frost dates? The reason you need to know your frost date is because you'll need to know when is the latest that you can plant. If you plant after it gets too cold, your seeds will not germinate. And we talked about seeds needing about 40 to 45 degree temperature soil to germinate. So even though these cold weather crops like it cold, they still need a little bit of warmth at the beginning. The next thing to know is that you still may need to add some additional protection, especially if you see temperatures below 25 degrees. Now, Even after a hard frost, your root crops are going to be protected by the soil, and much like you would with garlic or onions, you want to lay mulch down to protect those roots from freezing as much as possible. There's a lot of different things you can use for mulch. I do want to emphasize you do not want to use hay. You can use straw grass clippings, leaves, any other organic material you have on hand, but you, you want to stay away from, um, uh, you want to stay away from hay here. I personally am a huge advocate for using pine mulch. And I think maybe that's just because I have a lot of pine trees on my property. So it's readily available for me. I can rake the pine needles up and use them for mulch. And I found that it's super lightweight. It's long lasting. Again, it's completely free because it's, it's available. I do want to add a quick side note here though, there is some disagreement as to whether or not pine needles will cause your soil to be more acidic. So for that, I'll just say that freshly fallen needles do have a lower pH, right? But even if they're turned directly into the soil right away, it would not be enough to impact your plants. And as the pine needles break down, the microbes in the soil neutralize them. So they're, they're unable to affect that pH in a degree that would actually make a difference. In addition to mulch. You've also got cold frames. You've got greenhouses and row covers. These are all great options to provide protection. They create a physical barrier to keep the elements out and they stabilize the temperature inside to protect it. Now greenhouses are to me the ultimate for growing in the winter, but you may not have the space, the skills or the funds for a greenhouse, right? And I've seen everything from DIY kits to professionally made sets and greenhouses framed out of two by fours and covered with old doors, whatever works. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. I am a fan of function over form, and I appreciate a greenhouse made out of recycled materials myself. With a big enough greenhouse, you can grow pretty much anything. Uh, You do want to make sure that your greenhouses are southern facing to take advantage of the sun that we do actually see in the summer. Now, the downside to a greenhouse, though, is that the bigger the space you have, the bigger the area that you need to stay warm, right? I mean, it makes sense. If you've got a couple 50-gallon drums laying around, or you know where you can get some cheap, paint those black, fill them up with water, and what'll happen is they heat up during the day, and then they dissipate heat throughout the evening, and this raises the interior temps by as much as 10 degrees. So this can be a lifesaver depending on what you're growing and what the temperatures are outside. Now the other thing with greenhouses is that the more you can fill the space, the less energy it will take to regulate the temperature, right? Because there's going to be more things to absorb the light and energy and to radiate heat to then be trapped by the greenhouse walls. So I want you to think of a refrigerator, and I know that's kind of the opposite idea here, but just bear with me for a second. An empty refrigerator versus a refrigerator stocked to the brim is going to have a higher energy cost to keep cool because the one that's full will have to work less since there's item inside radiating cold. And with an empty greenhouse, there's gonna be a higher cost to keep warm in the winter. So here's your excuse to fill your greenhouse like completely to the brim, and it's all thanks to thermodynamics. Much like greenhouses, cold frames operate in pretty much the same way, it's just a much smaller scale. You want it partially buried to insulate it. Burying it below the frost line is the standard, but if you're unable to, then the next best thing is to mount dirt around the sides. that really does help. Anything that you can do to help insulate it. The top should be made of glass or clear plastic. Using old windows and scrap wood, that is a really simple way to build a cold frame out of things you may already have lying around. And the next thing we've got are row covers, polytunnels, grow tunnels, These are all very similar with very slight differences. These are a more mobile option and most commonly these are going to be used to cover the in-ground bed that you already have or a raised bed. So these are used with hoops, tunnels, or stakes. You can use whatever you have lying around. It's important to ensure that the plants do not touch the plastic sheeting or the freeze will impact the plants as well. Now the next thing to consider, and this is my favorite thing about gardening in the winter, is that sometimes your plants will taste better after a frost. So, some vegetables produce sugars in reaction to the cold climates, and it causes them to take on a sweeter flavor profile. Brussels sprouts and kale are a great example of this. Cold temperatures don't cause root vegetables to produce sugars, but they actually convert the existing starches into sugars. So, that itself is more than enough reason for me to continue my garden in the winter. I've got some kale in the garden right now, and I planted it this spring. I keep picking from it, and it tastes better now than it has all year. For me personally, I am so grateful that I started gardening in the winter. They say that there is nothing like eating a fresh picked tomato from your own garden, but I say there is nothing like eating fresh, frost-cured kale in the dead of winter from the garden. So to answer the question, can I garden in the winter, yes, you can, and you should if you are able. Now we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we'll get the Q&A started. Before we begin the Q&A, I'd like to take a moment to thank everyone who submitted questions. I have found so much support in the gardening community and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. So to get us started, Jess from Michigan asks, does it really matter if my garden is Southern facing and what does that actually mean? That is a great question, Jess. If you are North of the equator, then the answer is yes, you should, and it does matter. The sun rises in the East and sets in the West, right? So having a garden facing East or West is going to limit your full sun hours, And you also want to pay attention to the the height of the crops that you do grow. So if you place trellises, vining plants, mammoth, sunflowers, or any other tall plants on the southern portion of your garden or in your beds, they'll create shadows on those smaller plants. So a good rule of thumb is to plant shortest to tallest from south to north. The next question comes from Felicia from Alabama. Felicia asks, if zones matter, why do local stores sell plants that aren't meant for my zones? Okay, Felicia, I hear you. Okay. So that's a two-part answer. First is this. Consider like a pothos plant. These are tropical plants. These do not grow native to the U.S. They don't you know, grow in any of our zones, but we are able to mimic the conditions needed by growing it indoors, right? So maybe a plant isn't meant for a specific climate, but the thing about us gardeners, and I know I struggle with this too, is that sometimes we become collectors and we just want all the things, whether or not it's meant for the area that we actually live, right? Now the second part of this and this is a part that gets me a little riled up is that it can be an honest to goodness cash grab it really can i see beginner gardeners buy starters from the big box stores only to realize later that it's not suited for their climate and it's not going to work out and so because of that i actually recommend buying from small businesses who are local to you if you can find a a small local nursery or greenhouse that's going to be your best bet and then this way you know that not only will it be the correct variety for your zone, but you also know that the plants have been acclimated and they'll grow once you plant them because they've been growing in that zone the entire time. And our last question comes from Tyler from Pennsylvania. And Tyler wants to know, what is the best gift to give my wife who wants to get into gardening? Okay, Tyler, this is a good one. So much like any other hobby, everybody has their own preference for how they like to do things. And if your wife hasn't started gardening yet, and she's just getting into it, she's still trying to find out what her preferences are. So my suggestion would be don't buy her a gift. Um, Instead, just take her to your local garden center and let her, you know, play with things and pick things out or give her a gift card and just send her on her way and tell her to have a good time but that's just me though if she's the type that prefers a thoughtful gift you can never go wrong with a hori hori knife if you really want to gift her something it is my most used tool in the garden and most people that i know who have one really love using it it's just like a garden trowel but it's it's pointed it's a little bit more concave and it has serrated edges and it is a perfect multi-use beginner tool okay so those were some great questions guys i really appreciate that if you guys have questions you'd like me to answer Please submit on my website, www.gardenwithharmony.com. I hope you got something out of this episode, and I hope you feel empowered to apply what you learned. But what's the lesson from the garden, and how can we apply it to ourselves? Well, when we believe that we can't do something, we just don't. If we believe that with fall comes the end of gardening for the years, then it is, and if we hang up our hat and wash our hands, literally and figuratively, then that's all there is to it. But once we learn that there is a way, then we start looking at things a bit differently. So instead of seeing obstacles, we see opportunities. And instead of seeing problems, we see challenges. And when we have self-limiting beliefs that we allow to shape how we view the world and ourselves, there seems to be a lot we can't get done. But with a little creativity and the right attitude, we can do almost anything that we set our mind to, in and out of the garden. Thank you for being here with me for today's episode of Garden with Harmony. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe on your preferred podcast platforms for new episodes. Next episode will be hydroponics. Astronauts do it, and so can you. And if you really like what you heard today, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and tell me all about it. For more information about today's episode, links, and show notes, please go to my website, www.gardenwithharmony.com.